Welcome to the show that kind of resents it when people celebrate the end of International Week with shouts of, hey, proper football's back. Ladies and gentlemen, it never went away. On today's show, what is the Derby County way? What does that mean? What's the plan here? We speak to someone who knows that club inside out. You've been begging us to take a look at them, possibly because you're concerned their incredible form can't last forever. Well, we live to serve. Today, it's Shrewsbury Town. Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. And in what will prove a test of how far we can go before we mention that advert, we'll be looking at Accrington Stanley 2. It's all on the Totally Football League show. We are joined in the studio, of course, as always, by the editor of the set pieces and long-suffering Blackburn Rovers fan, Matt Stanger. Matt, how are you? You look quite chirpy in your Ian Dowie t-shirt. Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, this t-shirt's really giving me a lift. Chris Powell is in the studio. We're delighted to have Chris here. How are you? I'm very good, Ian. Thank you. Are you also inspired by the sight of a rampant Ian Dowie? No. That was a very <laughs> long pause. A very long pause. Uh, Chris, Sorry, you, you startled us all by the fact that, because um, you are a man in excellent shape, as, as one would expect, and you came in and you said, I've just been to McDonald's. Um, <laughs> but you've managed to find something healthy in there, because you're, you're training for a marathon. I am indeed. So um, got up early, um, recovering from a, a training run yesterday. So I got myself some porridge and some orange juice, which I would think are the only two really healthy options in McDonald's. <laughs> Bang goes my McDonald's sponsorship now. So <laughs> I don't think we ever stood a chance. <laughs> uh, at what stage of the training process are you at? Are you at regrets, recriminations and, my God, why am I doing this? I've or? been at that stage since the beginning, okay. to be honest with you. So, uh, no, I'm doing it for a good cause and uh, it, it's actually been on my bucket list for years. And uh, my daughter, through watching the highlights last year, said you should do it. And then it, it just seemed all aligned. I got a phone call from a colleague who used to work at Charlton who now works for prostate cancer. And then the following day, someone else who used to work at Charlton works for Virgin Marathon. And I just thought all the <laughs> signs are pointing that I've got to do it. So I'm committed. I'm training. Uh, it's really hard, especially at my age. But um, it's for a great cause. And I'm, I'm really proud that uh, I'm, I'm doing it. Very admirable. That's prostate cancer. And um, once you're just giving pages up, we'll put a link on that through all our social media, which you should know by now on Twitter is at The Totally Show and on Facebook is at The Totally Football Show. Um, so do follow us there, rate, review, you know the score, you know how it goes. Now, there's no championship roundup today for obvious reasons. There wasn't any championship football. But that means we can get straight into the main topic of conversation today, which is Derby County. Now we talk about big teams in the Football League and we always go oh, Sunderland, Aston Villa, Leeds, but Derby are right up there. I mean, average attendances are between 25 and 30,000 um, and they haven't been in the top flight for a while because when they're relegated, by God, they did it in style. You kind of assume their supporters are watching every Crystal Palace game thinking, this could be it. The day we never thought would come. Our record gets beaten. Um, they went down, of course, in 2008. Um, one win in September against Newcastle. Eight draws and that was it. They finished with 11 points. And the hangover was a long one. Five seasons of mediocrity before they finished in the playoff places. But they're still down in the second flight. And they're in 15th place after an inconsistent start. And they've got Nottingham Forest at the weekend. So, uh, tense times. Um, Matt, you've, you've watched a bit of them recently. Uh, what, what's happening there? What's going on? 
<laughs> well, yeah, they've uh, they started pretty well. Um, you know, early in the season, they got a couple of good wins. They beat Preston. They beat Hull five nil. And I watched that game, and I, you know, I wondered how can a team beat Hull five nil one week and then lose four one at Bristol City the next. And really, it was probably one of the the least dominating five nil victories I've ever watched. I mean, and they they haven't won since that five nil. And Chris, we've. Yeah, you look at their lineup. They've got Huddleston, Ledley, Lawrence, Curtis Davis, Scott Carson. I mean, that's a promotion team, isn't it? They've got the the basis of a promotion team, stroke squad. But I think what's happening at Derby now? Uh, it's a club that close to my heart. I played for them at the old baseball ground. Then I I played at Pride Park when we moved, and um, it's a terrific football club, terrific city. I mean, you you just mentioned the attendances and. The fans are just, they travel in numbers. It, it it really is a club that takes you back, if, you know, back if you don't really know it at all. But I think they're going through a, a bit of a change now. I know Gary has, has spoken. He's an ex-teammate of mine. Um, I've known Gary for a long time of a culture change. Um, and they need they need that. They've, they've had a number of managers, Steve McLaren twice, uh, Nigel Pearson for a short while. Uh, Darren Wassell was in charge for a bit. Paul Clement. I mean, they're they're searching for the right remedy, and the the owner is Mel Morris yeah, well, particularly. I've, I've got some numbers on that front. Uh, Nigel mm. Clough was sacked in 2013. This is uh, before Mel Morris took full control, which happened two years later. Uh, Clough oversaw 231 games. Since his demise, no one else has got into three figures. In fact, only Steve McLaren, first time round, has got past 50 games. Paul Clement got 33 um, and was sacked with the club five points off the top for not following the Derby way. And more on that later. <laughs> Darren Wassell got 18 games. Nigel Pearson and, and you, Chris, 14. Um, you were still there with Steve McLaren second time round. He yep. got 29. I got two games. You did. Caretaker. You, your, your points per game actually ranks pretty high. Okay, 1-1, one, yeah. one, Drew won. We should have won that one as not, well. It was 94th minute equaliser or whatever. So uh, Not too shabby. I mean, two. There, there, <laughs> there is obviously far too much upheaval there. What, yeah. what happened with you and Nigel Pearson? I mean, it looked like pretty much the ultimate good cop, bad cop partnership. I mean, it's well known you're the nicest person in football. Oh, I was going to say, so, I wanted to be the bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> you're up against a man who beat a pack of dogs to death with yes, a walking he did. stick. Yeah, I mean, he did. Nigel story. Pearson did that. Mm. Um, I, I don't think you're going to be bad cop in this, I'm afraid. No, I haven't done that. Not in South London. It doesn't happen too often, <laughs> beating off uh, wild dogs. But Nigel, for me would have been the ideal man. As I said, a, a, a culture change is needed at the club. They've been close, but have never made it. So you're talking about a man who's got into the championship playoffs, uh, lost that spectacular semi-final against Watford, then the following season ran away with the title, then kept Leicester up, and obviously we know what happened with Leicester and, and Nigel moved on. So I just felt it was the right man, um, maybe at the wrong time. Too much transition there, or? Well, there's a lot. If if you look at the team now, if you look at what Gary Rowett is doing, um, he's he's moved on a couple of players, Tom Ince, Will Hughes, Will, very very good player, but maybe needed a change. He, he's moved up to the Premier League. He does have the ability to to play at a high level. Tom Ince has has now moved on to Huddersfield. Uh, Craig Bryson been there a long time, gone to Cardiff. Jacob Butterfield gone. Sheffield Wednesday. So you can see he's trying to maybe say, 
look, you've tried for two, three, four, five years with these guys and it hasn't worked. So I need time to implement my own style and, and to make some changes to the squad. Sam Winnell's come in. Tom Lawrence has come in. Um, so you can see that there'll be a lot of changes, I feel, again in January. I'm sure Gary would like to get past 50 games as manager and then 100 games, as you mentioned the stats before. Nigel, I felt, would have been right. Now, Mel is a, a one-off character. Um, this is uh, Mel Morris, who made his fortune through the Candy Crush yes, he, game. Yes, he has, and many other things. He's a, a, a very clever, astute man in business, for sure. Made a lot of money. He's a local man. He's from the area. You know, before he, he obviously took off in business, always watched Derby, home and away. He wants success, and... I'm sure he, he looks at other teams and thinks, I want that, and what's the best way to go about it? So his his way is is that he wants success immediately and he, want, he, he wants it as soon as possible. Now, we're, with Nige, and we know Nige can be abrasive, very clever football man, a very knowledgeable man. Um, I think he wanted, as he's always done, he wanted to manage in his own way. Now, I wasn't party to this, but I think early on, when Nigel was trying to make a few changes and, um, of course, you know, over time, if you're not getting results and didn't start off particularly well, Mel wanted to know, well, what's going on? So I believe those two had dialogue, strong dialogue <laughs> between the two of them. You know, and a I could, diplomatic way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, I can say that because I wasn't there. We travelled to Cardiff and it was uh, we were preparing for the evening game. And then we, we had lunch. Nigel went up to his room. I was with the staff. And then Nigel came back down and said, I've had a phone call. I have to leave. So I was a bit like you. My eyes opened wide. And I was, Blimey. what do you mean I have to leave? And he, he just said, I, I've, I've been told that uh, I can't take the team this evening. It was a real shock. I've never been anything through anything like that. Um, and I've seen a lot in my career, um, playing-wise and managing-wise and coaching. But... Never anything like that. And um, to cut a long story short, basically, Nigel had to leave. And one of the other coaches, Inigo Ediakas, they had to leave. Inigo had a good playing career at Derby, like myself. They both left. Couldn't tell the players. I was told I was in charge for the game. Now, you, you can imagine my emotions at that time. I've gone in with a manager who gave me my first step in coaching. When I retired, um, I ended my career at Leicester. Uh, great club. I was, I was at a really, really good time under Nigel. And then I've just seen him drive away. And we've got an important game. We hadn't won a game all season. When the players came down, they had no idea because it wasn't out in the public knowledge. Now, you, you, you guys know these days things are not kept quiet for long. They're on social media. They get around. And... Um, Players came down, they had no clue. And I had to have a meeting with them and tell them that Nigel had gone. This is the team. I had to tell them the team. Um, and I said, this is Nigel's team. So anyone who got dropped, I said, well, it was Nigel's <laughs> team. <laughs> and um, I said, this is the way it's going. Um, I believe the owner will be coming to the hotel, which he did, to be fair to Mel. He uh, came to the hotel and we told the players, he, he told the players what had gone on. And then I took the team alongside Kevin Phillips and the rest of the staff that night and we won. <laughs> you know, and then I, I gave a really emotional interview. A lot of people have 
you know, said to me, how did you feel? And it was actually the same night Sam Allardyce left England. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's how, <laughs> that's how mad it was. The biggest story in the country in football, I didn't know, because I thought Nigel's <laughs> was the biggest story. And that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a real tough time. And then eventually uh, Steve McLaren came yeah, back. Yeah, and then Steve McLaren came back, which was a really interesting move by mm. Mel Morris, because... Um, you know, it'd been so close to getting up and possibly the yeah. most one-sided playoff final in recent yeah, years. I was there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and, and then it had, it had, you know, it had gone off the boil, um, mm. and he's left. He's taken a Newcastle job, but then, then he's brought back. That that always seemed like a hiding to nothing. That one. It looked as if I was going to be offered a job at one point. I know a lot of fans uh, were, were were sort of talking me up to possibly be manager, but. You know, Mel, I spoke to Mel numerous times and Mel's his own man and I think he was just looking at trying to carry on the work that Steve, admittedly, Steve implemented a really good style of play, very heavily possession-based and um, it worked for him. They had a really good style and I think Mel wanted that back. Um, so he, he, he brought Steve back and Steve was my coach when I was there as a player under Jim Smith, so I knew Steve. I knew Steve through England as well. Um, they kept my, my, myself there, which which was great for me, um, learning under Steve. Um, but as we all know, football moves on very quickly and those players that played the first time round, a few of them were still there, but you know, one or two weren't and um, it, it really never got off the ground for, for Steve. And then, um, you know, in the end, he, he moved on. Matt, we're, I think we're isolating what the the Derby way is, the sort of Steve McLaren style of football, a little bit more expressive and progressive, ideally at least. Is it at the moment? Because it doesn't doesn't really look like that at the moment. They're not scoring many goals, Derby, just um, just 13 this season, slightly over one a game. Can you see him turning this around? I mean, it's all about the Forest game, isn't it? Loses that one, he's in, he's in a bit of bother. Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think Gary Routes uh, done a great job at the clubs he's been at so far he was really unfortunate to get sacked by Birmingham last year I think he just needs a bit of time really f- uh, for for his ideas to come across uh, Mel Morris favouring a possession based approach and how that's maybe a little bit at odds with how the team are playing at the moment but I think also you know they've, they're on a run of four games without a win right now but a couple of those games have been tough tests they were away at Cardiff they were away at Brentford who have had a bit of a revival and I think, yeah, this is a team finding its feet still. And you look at the players and the experience they've got there. They brought Curtis Davis in over the summer. They brought Tom Huddleston in, Joe Ledley, uh, Andre Wisdom, who won the double out in Austria last season with Salzburg on loan from Liverpool. They've got a lot of good talent in that squad. And I, I do think that there's chance of a recovery. Chris, it's a horrible division to manage in, isn't it? You've, oh. you've, <laughs> you, you, you've been there before with, yeah. with Chelton and, and Huddersfield. I mean, how hard is it, that, that, oh. that schedule? You just don't know what's coming. And what I mean by that is you can have such a, a real positive result on a Saturday. You recover Sunday. You may travel on the Monday. Um, you're in a hotel and you, you're preparing for the game and you're playing against a side that hasn't won for maybe seven, eight games. You get a hiding from absolutely nowhere because each team, virtually each team has a match winner. Most of the squads, apart from, uh, as we're seeing now, you know, with the teams that come down, they're, they're, they're so strong, the Villas, you know, the Middlesbroughs, they spend so much money. And you've got a, a side like Burton Albion, their sort of budget is, I don't know, six, seven million for the year. 
and you've got Aston Villa spending 20 million on a player or Middlesbrough spending it, it just but then Burton Albion can beat them yeah just because on that day they that they have a match winner it, it's just a real relentless league and I know everyone could say well league one and league two is the same and, and maybe it is in in a different way but the championship you're looking at majority of the teams have been in the Premier League so the infrastructure and the stadiums and everything is, is really big. And when you've come up from League One, apart from maybe Sheffield United, who have the support, have the infrastructure, have the momentum at the minute, um, it's a real tough league. And you're 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 fighting to get players in who can improve you, but then they can be easily just spirited away to another club in the Championship because they have more money and they have parachute money. So it's a real sort of uneven league, but actually. It's quite even playing wise, but financially it's it's out of kilter. It really is. You know, if you come up from League One and you're a small side, like a Burton, like Rotherham we saw last year, just get blown out of the water and then all of a sudden they find themselves back down. So tough league, but a great league to get out of if you go, obviously, the right way to the Premier League. And that tough league is back at the weekend after the international break and Derby County will play Nottingham Forest. We'll be keeping a very, very close eye on that one. After the break, though, we'll be playing Fan League. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and I'm getting old now. My hair's going grey, I'm a bit wobbly around the middle and when everyone's out, I have to pluck my nasal hairs. But you know what? I have never looked better because I shave with a cornerstone razor. My chin is now so smooth that if I fell on my face in the street, I'd slide approximately 200 metres. And as I went, men and women alike would put a hand to their crotch and say, damn, that man is beautiful. Cornerstone take all the hassle out of shaving. Let them know how often you defuzz and sign up to one of their plans and you'll never have to worry about running out of blades ever again because they'll deliver them right to your door. To get yourself started, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. You'll receive a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades for just £4. That's cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. I'm Ian McIntosh, and thanks to Cornerstone, I am beautiful. OK, let's play Fan League. In case you don't know what that is, it's an app. You find it by typing Fan League into your phone. And what you'll get is uh, a slip with 13 games on. Now, some of them are Premier League games. You don't need any help whatsoever on that. But uh, five of them this week are championship games. We're going to have a a chat about them, see how we think they're going to go. As always, 13 games on the slip. All you do is pick home win, away win or draw. If you get 10 right... You stand to win some cash. Everything up from that, you stand to win lots more cash. Matt, you've not won any cash yet, and indeed neither have I. Um, so let's see if we can improve that this week. The first championship game on the list is Sunderland. You have to say Sunderland in those kind of graveyard tones now against uh, hilariously inconsistent QPR. Matt, how do you think it's going to go? I thought QPR played pretty well when I went to uh, see the game against Fulham the other week. They uh, they had a lot of attempts. Um, they just didn't really have a, a finishing edge. So I think they'll get a draw there. Uh, yeah, Sunderland still haven't really come out of it yet. Chris, oh. I'm not gambling here, am I? I'm just giving. Of course, yeah. just, just <laughs> I can't get myself in trouble. Um, oh, Sunderland! Wow, that's. Uh, that's, that's another program, I think. That one. Um, what's going we're, on? We're there. still and plucking up the courage uh, for that one. We might yeah, need, we might need I, two shows. I, I really like Simon, but I, I've got a feeling QPR, as Matt said, have, have, have been a bit more consistent this year. So 
I'm thinking of why you win there. I just, I don't trust QPR. And <laughs> I, I have this thing where I, I, every time Sunderland get really bad, I think it can't get any worse. And I'm going to say it can't get any worse. They're going to win. It's going to be a home win. Sunderland to beat QPR. Everyone take notes. You just have to learn to trust again, Ian. <laughs> God, they hurt me too bad. Uh, next up, uh, Sheffield United against Ipswich. Um, very difficult one to read again. Sheffield United had a, actually had a bit of bad luck um, in some games, thinking particularly the Norwich one, where they were very, very good. Um, but they are flying high. Think they can fly higher, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two uh, blunt Yorkshiremen leading their teams. <laughs> uh, I know them both really well, uh, but I'm really impressed with Chris Wilder um, and Sheffield United. They got the momentum, and when you have it, it's very hard to stop. You know, and the the fans are, have bought in to him and the team. Uh, the players have, have, have bought into the championship. They look at home. They look at ease. And he he said a comment the other day: "We're going to go for it." And I. I I think every fan wants to hear that, and I'm sure the players are quite inspired by that. So you can you can imagine they're just going to go for it in every game, and um, I can see a home win here. Off the pitch, I mean, they're, they're basically a Premier League club, aren't they? Mm. All the facilities, all the mm. supporter base, it's, it's all in place. Ipswich, very, very difficult team to read, had that incredible start, put five past Sunderland. Can you see them getting anything against Sheffield United? No, I think this will be a home win as well. I think, yeah, Sheffield United on a bit of a high after coming back up, and they've kept that momentum going. Well, I'll keep it unanimous. Home win as well. Leeds. Ever since I said Leeds are definitely, definitely going up, um, they started dropping points all over the place. But they've got Reading, who we spoke about last week. Uh, Reading have been in dreadful form recently. Um, how's this one going, Matt? Well, I think I have to back Leeds, don't I, after what I said about Reading last week and uh, <laughs> not too sure about how Yapstam's going to uh, gonna last there. But, um, yeah, I think Leeds will... We'll come back after a couple of wobbly results recently and they'll have had a bit of time over the international break to, to work on on the training ground with Thomas Christiansen and, yeah, I can see a home win here. Chris? Yeah, Leeds, Leeds are good at home. Uh, very good at home. It's the away form which could be their downfall this season. Uh, admittedly, two tough games they've had uh, away from home, but uh, Reading, after last year, they were magnificent last year. Really, really good team. Um, and they just look like they're suffering from playoff final disaster. Home win for Leeds. OK, uh, Wolves-Villa, the Midland derby. Now that's going to be a clash. I don't know if you've seen Ruben Neves yet. Straight-backed Champions League quality. He's a fantastic player. And Wolves, is there anything in the division that can stop him? No, I think you said it a couple of weeks ago, Ian. They look like a side they're only going to get better under Nuno Santo. And they've got Kyoto as well. Um they're like buses, these shelters, aren't they? Like you know, come, you don't get any for about ten years, and then two come along at once. But uh, yeah, I think Villa have improved recently. They've started to play quite well on the counter attack. Keenan Davis has been uh, great up front for them alongside Kodju, who's come back from that injury. But I, I can see Wolves winning this one and really um, putting down a statement. Uh, Chris, what do you make of what's going on at Wolves? A well, lot of money. I've got to say, at the start of the season, I was a little bit sort of sceptical about what was going on, and. Uh, hearing people talk about, you know, George Mendes and what's going on. But they are an outstanding team. Uh, and I, I've always said the test will be, for a lot of the, the players, the sort of November, December, January games and the months and the cold weather, whatever you put. Um, no, they're, they're a stylish team. Got a really good way of playing, 3-4-3, three, three, sort of the Chelsea sort of style. 
an old player of mine is playing centre back, which I would never have seen. Connor Cody. Um, so good game. I mean, the, you mentioned Jota and, and Neves. Helder Costa who was there last year. Uh, he's been injured a long time. Very, very good player. So I can see them definitely finishing top six, if not top two this year. Um, but it's going to be a good game because Villa... Mm, four games on, uh, four finally, wins on the bounce. Yeah, yeah. finally they got going. And I've always had confidence in Steve Bruce. He, he, fans were going crazy at the start. And I suppose people would say that's typical sort of Villa and the, the way it's been there for a number of years. But they've got a manager who knows the division, knows how to settle a team, a squad down and a football club. He'll get it right there. And they're, they're, they're a side who could finish top two, definitely. So... Draw. I'm going draw, draw this yeah. one, yeah. I'm, I'm going draw as well. Uh, finally, Derby Forest. We just talked about it. Matt, how's it going? Uh, draw as well. Chris? I can only say one thing here. As an ex-Derby <laughs> player and um, Derby assistant manager. Home win, hopefully. Um, it's a brilliant, massive game. I mean, it's very underrated in derbies um, because you know both teams aren't from the same city as such, but... Uh, it's a huge game, and uh, I was fortunate to be on the sideline beating them three 0 and it's uh, it's great for everyone. And I really hope they do it this this week. Okay, I'll go draw as well. I think just to play it safe. Um, that is Fan League. Uh, download it off the App Store. Fan League, and uh, if you link up with me just by typing in my name, Ian McIntosh, I'll invite you to the Totally Football League League, where you can compete against us. Um, which probably will not represent too much of a challenge. After the break, we'll be looking at Shrewsbury. League One then, and yes, we have a roundup because there were actually nine games this weekend. Um, Shrewsbury remain unbeaten, but they were held to a one-all draw by Walsall. More on that in a bit. Elsewhere, Wigan are going very well under Paul Cook. Uh, they took a gamble actually. They rejected the chance to postpone their game for international call-ups, and it paid off. They beat Scunthorpe two-one away from home, and it still isn't getting any better for Gillingham. They were beaten on the telly one-nil by Portsmouth. A Brazilian, a former Barcelona B midfielder, and Barking's West. Thomas were on the score sheet in Oxford's 3-0 win against Wimbledon, while Plymouth went down 2-1 to Fleetwood at home park, meaning they're now 10 games without a win in League One, losing the last five at home. And Rotherham claimed their fifth win in seven games with a 1-0 victory at Rochdale, lifting the Millers into the playoff spots. Hey, we've had one ex-Northampton manager on the show this season. We might be able to get another one before too long. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, you remember with Northampton, he won the first two games. Um, they were smashed up 6-0 at home by Bristol Rovers. 6-0. Um, that's six games without a win and five without a goal now. MK Dons took a pounding too. They lost uh, Aaron Shibola, I want to say, to a fifth-minute red card. And they were beaten 4-1 by Bradford. And Doncaster Rovers also scored four. Though, regrettably, all record of this match has been lost and we shall never know the identity of the team they vanquished. It was South Andean. Get out. Shrewsbury then, and it is Shrewsbury because in July 2015, Shrewsbury was voted the winning pronunciation of Shropshire's county town at a charity debate hosted by the University Centre in Shrewsbury. Do you want to know what the results were? Oh, tell us. Yeah. 58% said Shrewsbury. 33% said Shrewsbury. Weirdly, there was 7% saying something else. So I don't know where they were going. Um, and uh, 2% sport papers. So Shrewsbury it is. Um, what do we know about Shrewsbury? They haven't had a huge amount of success. But I tell you what, they do boast six Welsh Cups, 
in their locker, thanks to that weird period before 1995 when English teams were invited to play in the competition on the basis that, yeah, they were kind of close to Wales. Shrewsbury weren't the only ones, by the way. Chester, Crewe, Tranmere Rovers, Bristol City, all former winners. Anyway, they were formed in 1886, two years before the start of the Football League, but they didn't actually get to join until the introduction of regional third divisions in 1950. And that's where they stayed for most of the next 30 years, until 1979, when they popped up to begin their 10-year run in the second flight, a run that ended in 1989 with relegation back down to the third, whence they never returned. Indeed, they actually went all the way into non-league, slipping beneath the murky brine in 2003, only to reappear coughing and spluttering in 2004, when they beat Aldershot on penalties in the playoff final. Since then, they've swapped the old gay meadow for the new... New Meadow. They went up to the third in 2012, came back down again, then up again in 2015 and looked to be coming back down again until the arrival of one Paul Hurst, saviour of Grimsby Town and Hell's Bells, Matt. What's he gone and done? He's done brilliantly, hasn't he? And kept him up last season, survived by two points there. And uh, this season, yeah, un- unbeaten, top in League One, 30 points from 12 games so far. And it, it took them until February last season to reach that total. That is outstanding. Chris, uh, hand on heart, when it came to predicting League One this season, did you uh, do you have Shrewsbury up there as a contender? Uh, sadly for Paul, no. <laughs> um, again, another manager I've spoken to and met a few times. Really impressed um, by, by what Paul's done at Shrewsbury. And it was a strange job to take at the time because he'd been at Grimsby for a while, got them eventually up. They, they kept failing, didn't they, in the in the playoffs um, but eventually got up and you just felt he was going to build on that but um, they've been outstanding so far very early and typical manager speak you know he'd be saying we're taking one game at a time we don't want to get ahead of ourselves but again like a lot of teams when um, they find themselves in that position the momentum of the team the belief of the players and of the, the crowds I believe they took you know, nearly 2,000 fans to Walsall, yeah. which I'm sure they've never done before. And I tell you, yeah. the, the feel-good factor is is really obvious. You, any cursory glance through the Shropshire star, every single player is just kind of almost visibly radiating confidence at the moment. Um, watched a few games. Uh, the one thing that really comes off is um, the, the commitment to team pressing. They work so hard and they've got a few players in there as well. Matt, is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were talking about the Scunthorpe game that we watched, and they were they were really all over Scunthorpe from very early on. And in that Scunthorpe game. are no mugs, are they? They're a decent side. No, Scunthorpe ex- excellent side, and uh, you know they beat Wigan at home. They got a, a point against Blackburn at home, and they really should have won that that game as well. I was talking to Ollie Warner from the Salop Cast uh, Shrewsbury podcast, and he was saying that it was a weird feeling. The fans were actually disappointed after the Blackburn game, <laughs> whereas you know that should be one of the biggest results they've had in recent years. Now, the thing about Shrewsbury, I mean, they're not like a team of stars. Like some teams you get, they do well in that division. They seem to be based around one or two players. Um, but they, they don't seem like a team of stars. They've got Stefan Payne. Have you seen a bit of him? He's, he's been scoring freely. Yeah, he has. And um, it's typical of, of, of strikers once they become sort of the main man at a team. Uh, Stefan Payne's been at a, a number of teams, uh, Barnsley and it was at Dover uh, a few years back. But... Um, once you become sort of the the go-to man at a club for strikers, that is that is everything. Once they know they're the sort of go-to man, and the team's not built around them, but they know that everything is is geared towards scoring goals, and they're going to be the ones on the end of it. You can see it in everything Stephen Payne does. He looks like he's going to score every single time. Um, I wasn't surprised. Um, 
He scored at the weekend. Um, and he's, I'm sure, Paul will be hoping he stays fit. But they've got one or two really good players. Ben Godfrey's on loan from Norwich. He's a player I, I feel has got a real chance in the game. Um, maybe Norwich have seen this as a development for him, uh, for them in the future. But um, those two players stand out for me at the, this present time. Matt, anyone caught your eye there? Yeah, I think Ben Godfrey's been playing very well and that midfield as, as a whole actually has worked pretty well. I think they've got John Nolan who sort of looks to link midfield and attack a bit more and plays uh, you know sort of towards a number 10 role. And then you've got Abu Gogo as well uh, who's captain and uh, he started out Arsenal and he you know he sort of uh, like links to play together very nicely as well. So I think that that center trio that they have and they have a, such a solid spine in defense it's uh, you know, second best in the division so far and they've been playing really well at the back and then you've got Payne banging the goals in and really it's working for them. They just look really well organised um, and, and really up for it as well. And we, we've talked about this a bit on previous shows. You know, analytics has its place in football mm. and nutrition and tactics, all the things that we've we've talked about a lot over the last 10 years. But how much just, just simple things like confidence and momentum, how big a part does that play? Well, it just adds to what you have and what you do on the, the training field. You know, I read an article about Paul recently and he was saying about pre-season, it's the first time he's gone abroad with a team and um, he didn't want anyone thinking it was going to be a bit of a holiday and what have you. And he said, basically, he, he worked them really hard and implemented that pressing style you were talking about and that, uh, that they've, they've done so well so far. But also... He was saying that um, he's made them think about themselves individually, um, not only playing-wise, but just nutrition-wise, what they do. Um, and they feel proud. that Apparently, they take pictures of themselves, and then six weeks later, they see what changes they've made. Now, we're not talking about beach bodies here, you know. <laughs> we always hear about players going in the gym from February, March to get themselves ready for the summer. But I think what he's saying to them is... Um, make yourself a top athlete, make yourself be proud of what you're doing. And I think that is right for any manager. You want your squad to feel good about themselves, feel good about each other. And you can implement that in different ways on the training field, off the training field, and making sure that they take part and all have a role in what they're trying to do. And once you have that and it works, the, the, the key is to get a result in that. It's, it's always the key to get a result or two in that. And all of a sudden, everyone wants to play. The crowd can see a difference in the team. And all of a sudden, you, it just mushrooms. It really does. And you're, you're looking at players, uh, especially if they're young players, almost learning life of being a, a pro. And they can see inside, they're on 30 points. I mean, most teams go up with 90 plus. So they're further away there, and not even further away through the game. So they've got some allowance for when they're going to have the eventual dip. But I know from my own experience, we we got 101 points. We didn't lose for 12 games. I think it was the 13th game, actually, which Paul Hurst is just coming up to. So, um, <laughs> But all of a sudden, the belief in the whole football club, the, the media, the local press, everything's with you and you just go with that. And Matt, you've uh, you, this is a division you're coming to know very well, both through this job and through Blackburn Rovers. Do you think they can do it? I mean, they're 11 points safe in the playoffs at the moment, which is extraordinary at such an early stage. 
Yeah, um, I, I think there's still some big fish though just outside the playoffs. Blackburn have a couple of games in hand uh, after missing matches during the international breaks. Fleetwood got a win at the weekend, and you know they were they were there last season. Scunthorpe as well. I think you know those sides are really going to start putting the pressure on as the the season progresses. But I think the way they've started, and another key point I think is. Hurst has signed players that um, are a bit more flexible so they can play in a few different positions so they can adapt to like the different challenges they'll face. Uh, apparently, they've actually got a lower wage bill than last year as well, which is incredible, <laughs> yeah, to make this start after um, you know they sold Adam Elab, Ollie Lancashire went to Swindon over the summer, so they lost a couple of players that were among their higher earners. Uh, and they've got a new training ground as well. I think that's been absolutely key as well to uh, improving the fitness during the pre-season and uh, you know, for the manager to, to be able to work on his systems. Well, they've got this stadium as well, uh, New Meadow. I didn't know any of this, so thank you, producer Ben. Uh, it's a UEFA Category 4 stadium, which is the same classification apparently as Anfield, the Etihad and the Bernabeu. Uh, it could, hypothetically, host a UEFA Cup final. Um, however, <laughs> there are... <laughs> Could happen, could happen. Uh, however, one reviewer not so impressed, he says, firstly, they sell rollover hot dogs and other below average food product. I'm not sure what a rollover hot dog is, but it doesn't sound good. Um, on top of this, the roof is angled upwards, deflecting any noise the fans are making out into the open air um, and reducing the atmosphere. The stands are also slightly shorter than the size of the pitch, leaving big gaps in the corners of the stadiums. And this completely destroys any hope of making the stadium feel intimidating. Chris, have you been there? Is this, is this true? Yeah. Um, Did you feel it was less than intimidating? <laughs> it was pre-season um, with Leicester um, many, many years ago. I played at the old Gay Meadow for South End, and uh, we won 1-0. Of course. Um, and they used to lose all the balls. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got promoted that year, actually. So uh, it was one of the uh, many victories we got on the road. But um, I actually... Did, Here's a stat for you. I used to spend my summer holidays in Telford, which isn't far from Shrewsbury. Really? I never went to the, the games. I wasn't allowed. But my uh, my my late grandmother used to live up there. My my brother and sister were born in Wolverhampton. So this is kind of the area they grew up. You know, I heard you say about the uh, uh, the podcast at Shrewsbury and the, the name of it actually is name of an area up there. So I used to basically finish school. Dad used to put me in the car, straight up, dump me, basically <laughs> at my grand's, turn around, drive back. And I used to spend my summer holidays up in Shropshire. So I know the area-ish. Oh. I mean, I was quite young. Is, um, is Telford a nice place for a holiday? It was... Uh, much going on? It was okay. <laughs> Could you ever visit your European final there? Absolutely not. <laughs> the, the infrastructure. I mean, the, the the ground is nice enough, and it's uh, uh, as modern stadia are these days. But um, I can't see a UEFA Cup final being <laughs> put there. The, the, they couldn't handle it. The trains couldn't handle it, and the uh, and the pub, well, the pubs would obviously. But uh, no, I can't see it. But good luck to them. I'm I'm really impressed by what they're doing. And why not have a a, a side that's not traditionally sort of looked upon as have they ever been in a championship? I don't think they... Ten years, between 1979 and 1989. Wow. Oh, losing marks for not paying attention. Yeah, well, maybe that was the time <laughs> I was up there on holiday and not taking a... <laughs> if, if you're a Shrewsbury fan or you holidayed in Telford, um, let us know what you think of the team. Can they do it? Twitter is at The Totally Show. Facebook is at The Totally Football Show. And if you get on that Facebook page, you'll see videos and bonus content ticket information and some compromising pictures of Matt um, Matt if I wanted to go see Shrewsbury how would I do it? 
If you're driving to Shrewsbury, you'll come off the A5 at Thieves Lane, but good luck stealing any points this season. There's plenty of parking near the ground, and it's a park and ride scheme as well for £2 per person. If you're coming by train, there are connections from Crew, Manchester and Birmingham, but the station's a couple of miles from the ground, so you might want to hop on the football special bus that they run from the town centre bus station. Tickets are £22 for adults or £12 for under-19s, and under-8s go free. Thank you very much. When we come back, League Two. People of the Totally Football shows, we know your listening plate's pretty full at the moment, but here's a heads up about another fantastic podcast you'll definitely want to check out. It's called The Football Manager Files, and over the course of six rather splendid episodes, it examines every aspect of the football manager's life, from picking a club, to choosing your tactics, to scouting and recruiting, to, you know, dealing with the sack. It's got interviews and insights from the likes of Alex McLeish, Slavon Bilic, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Alan Pardew, Gary Monk and even Big Sam himself. And how do we know it's any good, you ask? Well, your pals here at Muddy Knees Media, that's us, we lovingly made it. Search for The Football Manager Files on iTunes, on SoundCloud and your podcasting app of choice. Hey, breaking news. Uh, while uh, the new Meadow is still UEFA Category 4, nothing's changed there, um, it's uh, it's not likely to get a UEFA final because Platini said he only wanted capacities of 70,000 plus. That said, Platini has been uh, um, uh, disgraced in recent years. Things can change. Things can change. Shrewsbury still has a chance. But let's turn our attention to League Two. It's time for the roundup. Luton, they keep on clattering away. They're unbeaten now for over a month and they beat Accrington Stanley 2-0 to rise to third. More on that game in a moment. Uh, The legend that is venerable journalist Brian Glanville, 86 and still on the circuit. He was reporting at Barnet this weekend and he was rewarded with a stinker of a 0-0 draw with Coventry. And keep an eye on Eberetti Easy. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Highly rated QPR youngster. He's on loan at Wickham. He scored twice in a 3-1 beating of Cambridge. He's one to watch. Exeter are back on track after their wobble at the end of September, with a 1-0 win at Carlisle sending Paul Tisdale's side back to the top of the table. But Swindon are still struggling for consistency. Their last four results now read 1 lost, 1 lost. After they suffered a 2-1 defeat at Cheltenham, Danny Wright scoring a 94th minute winner for the hosts. And Colchester continued to climb the table with an impressive 2-0 win over Mansfield. Hey, Crew won a game. After six straight defeats, David Artel's side beat Stevenage and they poined back up to 17th. Harry Kuehl's Crawley, as they must be known, uh, they won as well, 1-0 over Morecambe. And congratulations to Lincoln City, the first team powerful enough to beat the hex of the Totally Football League show. We covered them last week and they responded by beating Chesterfield 2-1. First team we've covered that hasn't failed to win. Newport are lurking just outside the playoffs on goal difference thanks to a 2-0 win against Yeovil. Paddy Ammond again on the score sheet. While Notts County required a 96th minute equaliser to snatch a point at home to Forest Green, despite starting the day 20 points above the visitors. And it was a losing start for Newport Vale boss Neil Aspin, who watched his side throw away the lead to go down 2 1 at home to Grimsby. Well, Accrington Stanley, it falls upon me to say, who are they? 
Well, the original Accrington Stanley were just Accrington. I hadn't met Stanley at that point, and they were founder members of the Football League in 1888. They only lasted five seasons and vanished before the start of the 1893-1894 campaign. What remained merged with a junior side, Stanley Villa, and this new hybrid Accrington Stanley entered the Football League in 1921. And then they resigned midway through the 1961-62 season shortly uh, before going kaboom for the want of £56,000. Quite a lot of money then. Uh, the even newer Accrington Stanley were formed in 1968. Uh, in 1995, they were bought for £80,000 by former reserve player Eric Wally. And the sale of Brett Ormerod to Blackpool in 2001, well, that brought them £50,000 first of all, and then 250000 in a sell-on fee when he went to Southampton. With that windfall, uh, the club pushed up to the conference. They funded the switch to full-time, and that proved the base for their return to the Football League in 2006. Well, since then, Stanley have finished in the top ten twice. Uh, Worley sadly died in 2014. Um, but the club is now run by local boy done good Andy Holt, of whom more later. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, they looked like they might have a chance of the playoffs again, didn't they, Matt? But a bit of a setback. Yeah, well, they still have a chance of the playoffs. They're still sixth in League Two, just one point behind Luton in the automatic spots. But uh, yeah, Luton seriously outclassed them at the weekend. You were there, weren't you? I was there, Ian, yeah. I've always wanted to go to Accrington, and I promise you I'm not taking the piss. There is that train line that goes from Preston out when I've covered games at Blackburn and Burnley, and there's a point where it goes over Accrington, and it, honestly, it looks so beautiful. I really want to go there. What is the real Accrington like? It's a great little town, yeah. It's um, so I, I grew up in Blackburn, obviously, so it's, it's right on our doorstep. Um, yeah, it's very green around the stadium. There's a great pub called The Crown uh, where they do pie, mash, and peas for two pound fifty. When you can't complain about I'm that, in. can you? I'm in. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? They don't don't get big crowds, but it sounded pretty loud when I was watching the tape. Yeah, they've got the Accrington Ultras, and uh, they really do make some noise actually behind the goal. And yeah, it was, it was. I think the attendance was about two thousand, so so pretty small. But yeah, it, it's very closed uh, stadium. You know, they're very tightly packed in, and uh, yeah, they, they get a decent atmosphere. And uh, even though they were losing uh, pretty early on and two 0 down at half time, the, the fans stayed behind the team on what was a pretty wet and windy, miserable day. So while you were there, did you speak to anyone? Yeah, I spoke to uh, the captain, Seamus Keneally, who worked with John Coleman, the manager at Sligo Rovers, actually over in Ireland. And then John Coleman brought him across to Accrington and he's been there for a couple of years now. So he's involved in that promotion push back in 2016 when they, they missed out on goal difference on a final day because he couldn't find a goal against Stevenage. <sighs> and then they lost in the playoffs to FC Wimbledon. But uh, yeah, like he told me, they've got unfinished business. Yeah, it would mean an awful lot for me if we were in a promotion back just because of the the hurt that's still there from two years ago we really let ourselves down uh, particularly on that last day at home to Luton when we needed to win to go up and we just couldn't score um, there's three or four of us maybe still left from that team and I know that the other lads feel exactly the same as I do that we we feel we need to we, it's a wrong that we need to put right you know when we go out and we play Luton we don't look at it that they've got a much bigger budget than us we feel like 11 v 11 and we are as good as them we're as good as any team in the league when we play it to the best of our ability that's the way that we see it and their the budget is, is absolutely tiny um, have you encountered much of Accrington? Never. Never? It, never. Your no, career has taken you everywhere. Yeah, I've never been to Accrington. Um, and actually, I'd like to go there. I'd like to is, go is there. Is that because I just sold it with the uh, evocative description did, of my train fair, Yeah, <laughs> We should all go. I've just got to sell it to my wife. You know, a week in Accrington, should we do it? <laughs> well, but, you went um, to Telford. Yeah, I did, yeah. I w- admittedly, I was very, very young. I had no say in it. Um so that would have no saying it now with regards to the wife. But no, Accrington, um, I've always admired what they've 
what they've done. Because when you, you look at the size of the club, the budget, the attendances, and they've always been in and around it, you know, the playoffs, they've always been around there. Play good football. John Coleman's quite renowned for getting good football teams together on obviously a shoestring budget. Um, and I would expect them to be in the top seven come the end of the season. Again. Um, we've, we've talked a bit about clubs today, um, like Sheffield United, like Derby County, with the incredible facilities they've got. Um, there was an interview with James Beattie when he was manager at Accrington where he said his first job of the day was to clean dog poo off the training field. So we're, we're, we're dealing with a very, very different um, level. But can that sometimes be helpful for a team? Yeah, it can. It can bring you closer together. It depends on the characters you have and the type of players you have. Um, normally I would envisage the type of player that John signs are hungry young players that haven't made it anywhere, maybe have suffered a bit of rejection, uh, been released, um, and they get a chance at a football league club, and he would sell it as, listen, we don't have what you're used to, but what we do have and what you will have is an opportunity to play week in, week out, to show people, and, and more importantly yourself, that you can be a, a, a professional player at this level and possibly higher. So, um, fair play to Accrington. Uh, I did watch the Wimbledon playoff games. I remember watching that. And uh, did the floodlights go out during the game? If I remember rightly, the second leg, I think it was delayed. And <laughs> obviously there was a few sinister kind of what's going on. But it was genuinely, they didn't, the, the floodlights went, but Just eventually Wimbledon went through. Well, I mean, we we talk about uh, players getting a a chance to put their career on track. There are actually four players in the starting eleven on Saturday who are former Everton academy kids. Um, Matt, is that is that the kind of the the mood in the camp? Yeah, they they get a chance to get back on track. Yeah, definitely. There's a a good section in Simon Hughes' new book actually uh, on the brink where John Coleman talks to Simon Hughes about how he looks to get two years out of a player, and he says to the players. You're never going to make your millions in football at this club, but you could go on to that if you give us two years of dedicated service, show that hunger, and uh, you know play play yourself up the divisions. And uh, that happened with Omar Beckles, for example, who Shrewsbury signed. Uh, you know who's, who's been playing for them, and uh, Dean uh, Josh Windass, Dean Windass's son, Matt Crooks. They got moves to Rangers uh, during that season when Accrington uh, last got into the playoffs a couple of years ago. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a great. Sort of breeding ground for young players to that fall out of academy setups higher up, and they want to come play football, learn how to scrap with seasoned professionals in in the lower league, and uh, and, and get get on track really for a successful career. Well, we've got to talk about one guy who's um, who's got no intention of doing that. Billy Key, uh, eight goals in all competitions, doesn't want to be a Premier League footballer. Uh, he said recently, "I couldn't live like that." I couldn't not go down the pub with my mates or not go out for an Indian with the missus. But that's how they live. They go to the cinema and don't eat sweets and have a bottle batter. I go and get an ice blast and popcorn. Now I have some questions. What's a bottle batter? I think a bottle batter's a protein shake, isn't it? Okay. And what's an ice blast? An ice blast is a tango ice blast. I remember actually going to Accrington's View Cinema and uh, having a tango ice blast there. And I can recommend them. They're, uh, it's, like, it's like a fizzy mix of raspberry and blueberry uh, frozen ice, po- ice pop. Um, it didn't go well for Billy and his teammates. Um, I mean, the first five minutes of the game, Accrington seemed to be putting almost every single pass about 15 degrees off off target um, how was the manager after that Matt? Yeah I don't think he was too happy actually uh, Seamus Keneally the captain told me that 
he was pretty disappointed with their application in the first half. They, they eventually settled into it towards the end of that first half, but... Uh, you know, he, he said that Luton looked like they wanted it more. They were more physical. Danny Hilton, such a seasoned pro, and he really was bullying the right back, uh, Danassian, in, in that first half. And yeah, Luton just looked a lot more experienced, a lot more battle hardened, and ready for for this promotion push. And it looked like Accrington. It was the first time actually Accrington had failed to score in a game this season in League Two. And uh, you know, I think that shows the the size of the opposition that they came up against. Speaking uh, of size, their goalkeeper uh, Chapman, six for eight. It yeah, tells you something enormous, about the rest yeah. of the team. that he, he only looked a little bit bigger than everyone else. That, that's a big side Accrington have got. Yeah, he uh, he commanded his box really well as well, actually. There was a couple of long balls over the top, and obviously, like I said, it was a rainy day and the surface was a bit greasy, but he came out to, to collect those passes before James Collins or Danny Hilton had a chance to snaffle uh, up the ball. Um, Ollie Lee played well as well, actually, for Luton, son of Rob in the midfield there. He, he passed the ball around pretty well and... Um, yeah, Accrington, as as well as they settled in the second half and looked to try and create chances, they never really found a, a way through. All right. Well, Chris, should you wish to go to Accrington, it's 20 quid a ticket or 15 for concessions. Uh, under 12s go for a fiver if they're accompanied by an adult. Pick up a loyalty card, however, you get fiver off all of those prices. The nearest train station is Accrington. That's a 20-minute walk away. There are apparently only 59 car parking spots, but they can be pre-booked. <laughs> however, there is also off-street parking, though the residents probably will not thank me for alerting people to that. <laughs> park at my dad's house. There you go, park at Matt's dad's house. We've sorted everything today. Right, we are running out of time. Um, we could have gone on for hours. Hours here. Uh, we've got some questions uh, from the readers. Chris, you're the nicest man in football, but who's your best friend in the game? Oh, um, I could upset people here, so I'm going to be very nice and just say I've got lots of good friends in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to sit on the fence. <laughs> See, the, the, this is this is our, our question that we ask just to find more contacts to get more guests. So you, All right, you've, okay. you've done us there. We'll have to get you afterwards. Um, <laughs> Charles Commons, uh, he writes to say, please don't ever mention Northampton again. Instead, ask every guest about every other League One team. You jinxed us. Um, sorry about that. I think it may take more than our efforts to get Northampton winning again. Uh, Andy Moore, uh, he wants to know, would Sir Chris ever return to manage Cholton again under different ownership? Hashtag Roland out. <laughs> oh, God. Um, listen, I had such a great time managing uh, a club that I'm sort of synonymous with, really. Um, they couldn't get rid of me. I left, came back, left. <laughs> you know, I went to West Ham, came back. Went to Watford, came back, and came back as manager. So it's four times I've I've gone back, and um, who knows what future holds? I mean, they, they've gone through, they've gone through the mill route basically, um, and been relegated and. That 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 hurts because of the the hard work of of getting the team up, and then uh, we we just finished just outside the playoffs, first year in the championship, and you just felt a bit similar to many clubs we've spoken about when you have that momentum. We had the the crowd and everyone on our side. Um, you just felt that that could have been the beginning and sort of the resurrection of the club, similar to the Kerbishley days. So, who knows? But. Um, Enjoyed my time and really proud of the players and the and the records we broke. We broke many many records. I mean, Chelton, uh, best protests in football, surely with the. Uh... Oh yeah, very clever. Yeah, them and, and Coventry. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen them this season though, which is a good sign because you you still want the team and you want the fans to um, have 
some good times and good days and, and uh, they've certainly won a few games this season. Uh, Philip Pemberton wants to hear you tell us a Sven anecdote. Um, I should just say that somewhere there is a tape uh, in about 2001 of me on TalkSport leaping to your defence because the TalkSport presenter had suggested your call-up into the England squad um, was in some way unhelpful. Yeah. Um, and there, there, <laughs> there, is, there is some unbroken anger there. Um, so I was delighted when you played so well. Um, but Sven, anecdote. I mean, 16 how, how, years ago. Yeah. Wow. Well. How many can you tell that are not going to get us taken off the air? <laughs> All I can say is uh, when he was manager of, of Leicester, I walked into his office one morning and uh, he looked at me, he was on the phone, he was speaking in English, and he gestured at me, one minute, one minute. So he finished the conversation. As he put that phone down, there was another ring, he picked up another phone, and he looked at me again and said, one minute, he started speaking in Swedish. Fine. Put it down again, another phone rung. Now I realised he had something like five phones on his desk, See. but each one was for different countries. <laughs> So in the time was I was in countries? there, was oh, it? it was because then he picked up another one, steady, <laughs> and uh, he spoke in Italian, he spoke in Portuguese, and I sat there and I just thought, how good is that? I mean, how many managers, <laughs> how many managers, will speak five languages in the space of? 10, 15 minutes. We've got some who struggled to speak one. Um, so at, <laughs> at no point did he invite you down to a hotel swimming pool, um, bronzed and in his trunks, offer you champagne, and <laughs> as he did with Diddy Haman. What are we toasting, boss? Life, Kaiser. We're toasting life. Still my favourite ever Sven anecdote. <laughs> we are almost out of time. Um, have we got any more questions? We've got none for Matt today. Sorry, mate. Um, Chris, uh, who are the best managers you worked with? David Webb at Southend? He was good yeah. because he gave my opportunity to be to be a pro, a regular pro. You know, Steve Coppel was my manager when I was at Palace, but um, I do have a lot to thank for do, with, with David. What about Jim um, Smith? I mean, there's a man who's built for anecdotes. Oh wow, yeah, I've got I've got plenty on Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have asked me about Jim. Um, but again, hard taskmaster, a bit like Dave, um, but knew how to get the best out of you, knew how to build a team. Um, I won promotion with both managers. Um, Alan Kerbishley was good. Um, you know, Alan Pardew uh, won promotion. I'm sort of ma mentioning the managers that I won promotion with. You know, I, Nigel Pearson is good for me in a different way because it was the end of my career. And um, he was the one who actually said, I think you can coach and manage. You, you, you've you been sort of doing it unofficially anyway in the dressing room. So um, they've all been very, very good for me. And... Um, you know, hopefully they, you know, have lent their experiences that have held me in good stead in, you know, what I'm doing now. And what next for you? Are you coming back? I will do. I will do. I, I must admit, I'm I'm very, very comfortable with what I'm doing at the minute. I'm quite busy with, obviously, media commitments. I'm watching games at all levels. You know, I mentioned I went, watched Brentford. Then, you know, then I was watching uh, West Ham Tottenham. Then I was watching AFC Wimbledon versus Tottenham Hotspur under 23s. Uh, I've been to watch reserve games. Um, I'm keeping my eye in. Um, I'm trying to get a a study visit abroad to a team if I can because I, I generally go on, um, to teams over here. I've been to Brighton. I've been to uh, one or two other clubs. Um, so really happy training with the marathon. Um, spending some good time at home. I've travelled. Um, no stress. 
<laughs> no stress at the minute. Um, but as mad as it sounds, you do miss that stress. Yeah, you're all crackers. Yeah, we are. We are. You know, it, 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 it's crazy, really, that I'm I'm saying this. But um, I do feel all managers should have a, a, a minimum of a couple of months away from the game. I, I always, when I see a manager leave one job and just jump in two weeks later, I just think, what are you doing? Because you need to have your downtime. You need to just reassert yourself. You need to actually live your life a little bit um, because you are in a bubble. And um, it's a bubble that you're in, but when you come out, you actually recognise there's a bit more to life out there. But you know, I love the game, and it's what I do. It's what I do best, and uh, I'll get back into it when the time's right. Matt, what you do best is going to far-flung parts of the Football League, um, but we haven't actually decided where you're going. So, dear listener, if you want to help decide where Matt should go at the weekend, get in touch. We're on Twitter, at The Totally Show. We're on Facebook, at The Totally Football Show. Let us know who we should be covering next week. Let us know quickly, though, because we like to do a lot of prep. Thank you so much for listening. Chris, thank you so much for being here. You've been great. Thank you. Matt, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, dear listener. Um, Keep with us, keep listening, keep rating, keep reviewing. We'll see you again next week. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com.